Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, hi, my name is Catherine O'Brien. I'm a beekeeper from Hastings and I'm the founder of Bee Potion, a community interest company. We make beautiful skincare and run therapeutic projects for children at our natural apiary in Fairlight. Hello, Catherine. So nice to have you on the podcast. And thank you so much for having me, fellow beekeeper. It's wonderful to, to be speaking to another female beekeeper. Long hot days in the shade of zombies tree making daisy chains and watching all the honeybees the reason i started the product range inspired by the bees yeah was partly because i wanted to create products that wouldn't take too much honey um and use lots of other really beautiful oils but realizing that so many of the flowers that the bees love are really good for the skin as well in terms of the oils amazing but also because of our beautiful woodland where we keep the natural apiary we've been setting up to run children's therapeutic courses and the idea behind the product range is one day very idealistic this is (laughs) (laughs) oh we love idealistic we love it oh i am mrs idealistic (laughs) all through and through so yeah the idea of the product range is that one day maybe it could support courses for children and well-being and bees what's your background therapeutic education and the arts as well originally it's funny is it you got the back you realize how old you were and you go i've done this and i've done that and i've done this (laughs) Um, i was just thinking are you an actress and that was theater and visual arts was my my degree i loved that i did quite a lot of performing when i was young but I love incorporating sort of therapeutic drama work with kids and the arts and nature. And then I was a forest school teacher manager for about 12 years working with Kids Company in London. I was headed up a big, big schools project about 40 schools working with that's what that's when I met the beekeeper in Hackney when you say you like drama there's lots of drama in the hive isn't there oh my goodness <laughs> I also work with a charity called Eggtooth who are local Hastings very creative charity and so we work with the virtual schools and the virtual schools is for just children that don't fit in they you know they just don't fit in at school and so mm. often they're from children's homes that's where I work in the woods with with my therapy dog and the bees and, and being in nature with them, being in the beautiful woodland and working with the seasons. How did you get into beekeeping then, Catherine? Oh, wow. It's a multi-layered journey, this one. Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> Tell so us! I was running a youth project in the beautiful woodland run by an artist called Jock Hare. Mm-hmm. And a woman who was a youth practitioner and an amazing artist called Angie Bildcliffe was there as staffing. And she brought some jars of honey along as a present for the young people who mm-hmm. were on the course. 
And she was sitting there in the woods at the table on her own. She didn't see me looking at seeing her at this beautiful hole in the exactly tree. from the tree. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not far off actually. And the sunlight was just. She was holding up this jar of honey, and the sunlight pierced this jar of honey. Mm. and the honeycomb in it and it was so beautiful to see and two years later Angie died of cancer actually it was a film made about her called Bee Fever what happened was when she passed away and then another amazing artist also passed away I had this sort of feeling of how temporary life is and how important it is to connect to our deeper selves through nature and and I felt I was just constantly giving 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 in the kind of kids well-being projects I ran through forest schools therapeutic forest schools and also developing as a slightly older woman myself, well, older, um, youthful nonetheless, in my 40s. <laughs> but that kind of, you know, transitioning through into your perimenopause and menopause is that kind of feeling of understanding that fertility is and, and, and the sort of femininity and the matriarch of the hive was just mm. such a draw for me. Lovely. And, and, the, and the sort of temporal existence of life and death that was so mm. raw with, with, with uh, the lifespan of bees. I was working in Hackney with a bunch of really tough teenage boys on the verge of exclusion. But we were in um, the forest in Hackney, well, it's a small wood, and the Hackney Community Garden in Hackney Wick, they gave us access to their gardens as well. and. There were some hives there and we met the beekeeper and he was such a softly spoken beekeeper. He was so softly spoken. You could hardly hear him. And the boys were transfixed and like literally hanging on his every word and the sort of sense of awe and wonder around the hives. You know, they didn't even look in the hives. And I think that was a big sort of penny dropping for me was oh my goodness it's such a, an important and valuable tool to interlink bees into my practice working with young people so that was another sort of layer of understanding that I needed to work with bees and then my um, husband he bought me the Collins Beekeepers Bible I haven't come across that one. Oh, it's a fabulous book it Ooh. really is a bible it's massive so so he got you the book I'm loving this story it's a very yeah. rich tapestry yes so he got me the book and I've always played around with my own natural skincare always for years and years and years and yeah. and there's lots of recipes that's when I started playing with beeswax and a little bit of honey uh, as well. And then I was like, well, that's it. I, I need to do the course. So um, this was about, I suppose it was about a year after Angie's death. I signed up to the BBKA course yeah. and was like so enthusiastic. It was beyond belief how enthusiastic I was and excited. <laughs> Great. And it was that, that feeling, isn't it, when you get your first hive? And oh, yeah. Like... I remember the warm nuke arriving late at night and then opening it and then that warmth coming out and the bees all flying in the morning. It's so lovely, isn't it? It's it really nice... is. It's, it's that sense of what you hope is inviting bees home, isn't it? It started in September and it wasn't until May that I got my first hive and it was a swarm. I had to collect it from a very lovely gentleman and he'd collected the swarm that was, funnily enough, actually on the gate of a school. 
Oh, which also felt quite symbolic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I drove home at night with it in the car. Lovely. With my bee suit on because I was so <laughs> petrified that the bees would escape in the car. And, and we took it to our woodland in Fairlight, which is such a beautiful spot. In torchlight, we poured the bees into the hive. And, and Did you? It, yeah, yeah. Wow. And that was the start. That was the start. How did you come about the name Bee Potion for your company? Because I love the packaging with a golden bee on the jar. It's very, very elegant. Thank you. I almost can imagine it as somewhere like Liberties or something. That's really a dream. That's so beautiful. Design has always been important to me. Mm. And I saw these incredibly beautiful graffitied moths in and around Hastings, that negative graffiti effect where you put a stencil on the wall and then you rub off the dirt. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's called negative graffiti. So these Mm -hmm. negative graffiti moths were so stunning. I was like, wow, I wonder who did those? So I kind of Googled it and found out that the guy that invented the technique who'd worked for Friends of the Earth and he'd done these moths in London as well to highlight endangered species. Then I tracked down the artist who designed the moths who happened to be two more local Hastings lads. (laughs) So I approached them and said, could you design my logo? I think the geometry of it it's so balanced Mm. and that's I suppose how I see bees really balanced and the potion the word potion and you've been talking about all the matriarchal society of bees there's something so you know female isn't about when you mix a potion when you make a potion I really love that yeah absolutely And, and I think when you're formulating and when you're using really pure ingredients like I, I only ever use the wax cappings in the Be Pure because the wax cappings are so pure. It's such pure wax and it hasn't got any, you know, the thing is with foundation and a lot of wax that you buy for products, it's got loads of miticides in it from chemicals of, that have been treated with, in the hive and then that gets recycled into wax to sell, whether it's for foundation or cosmetics. But I think... When you cut a very thin layer of wax off the honey, off the honeycomb, there's something like releasing the golden flow, isn't there, of the beauty of the honey. But also the wax cappings are so white and so pure. It is that real sense of making the potion with the best of what the bees have given us, but also knowing that we don't take a lot from the bees either. So makes it even more special before this podcast i didn't realize that the cappings were the most purest thing and i didn't realize Mm. that this this wax could harbor impurities and of course when you're living in london there's going to be a lot of impurities isn't there also in the the air in in maybe even in some of the things that the the bees collect it's like the virgin isn't it it's like the virgin olive oil or something i've got a dish of them in my uh kitchen at the moment i think i might like do a little prayer to them after this make a little lip balm and give loads of kisses to oh, those I've that never, deserve them 
I haven't actually ever made any of my own beauty products. Well, me and Jane made some propolis tincture. Oh, fantastic. And we made some wax candles. But where did you sort of seek out your recipes? And I suppose you've adapted them along the way. But how did you do it? How could you, what could you say to listeners? Like, what would be the easiest thing, easiest recipe just to make something? A, a lip balm, a lip balm, without a doubt. And the, ni- the nice thing about the lip balms is <clears throat> with, you'd use beeswax. Uh-huh. Honey is very hard to use in skincare because it's heavier than most oils. So it's really mm-hmm. hard to mix. But say you had some wax cappings that were like, mm-hmm. you know, you'd strain them, but yeah. whatever honey's left on the cappings, just incorporate that. You'd melt it very, very gently. In a bain-marie. In a, in a bain-marie. And then there's so many different oils you can use, but coconut mm-hmm. is a common one. Shea butter, which is not my favourite, because I like a glossy lip balm. Mm-hmm. So I love using coconut and castor oil. Mm-hmm. because it's vitamin rich and it's castor oil's also got a natural sp factor in it and you only need three or four ingredients and you melt it all together in your bambari pour it into your little pots and they're lovely christmas presents to give as well and it's a lovely yeah. project to do with children kids i've done quite a lot of lip balms with kids and they love it because it's that sense of something that they can use that they have made and the Mm. value of the bees is in that too or you can use fragrance oils as well but if you want something that's more health benefits you'd go for say something like lavender or wild carrot or cinnamon in very Mm. small amounts but fragrance can splash it in a bit more because it hasn't got the medicinal qualities of the essential oil Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Do you just work on your own making the potions? I have been. I'm also, I uh, work with young people. I kind of employ 16, 17 year olds who help me with the packing and the labeling and some of the, not not so much the formulation, but the idea behind the company, which is now a community interest company, is it supports local young people as well. Because Hastings is an area of, yeah, there's a lot of creativity down here, but it's still an area of social deprivation and employment is really low. And I just, I just, I always worked as a Saturday girl from the age of about 13. And it's so lovely giving that opportunity to young people. And they usually stay with me for a couple of years and, you know, they move on or go to college or whatever, or uni. Or, um, but yeah, it's lovely having the youngsters involved. But I really want to develop more on the educational front with the natural apiary that we've got on the woodland site. Oh, it sounds great, Catherine. And what's the bee population like down there? Are a lot of beekeepers? There are quite a lot. But to be honest, I've, I've always been a bit of a maverick and a bit of a sort of... I, most of them are national beekeepers and it's all very BBKA, this is what we do and this is how we do it. And it's not 
I'm not very good at sort of towing that line. I think I, I'm trying to sort of find more of a community of other beekeepers that have that sort of more go slow approach, let the bees yeah. build their natural comb. And I get a bit frowned upon, I think, because I do things that go slightly against the way we're trained. They've been here for millions and millions of years, millions. Yeah, and how yeah. long have we been here like we know best? And that's what strikes me with like when I when I after about six months of doing this course, I was like, I hate the idea of clipping a queen's wings. I can't bear it. I was like, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to mark. And I was like, I'm not marking my queen. I don't care if I can't see her as long as I can see the eggs. Yeah, it's this kind of domineering, isn't it? Approach we have to animal husbandry, Mm. and I think. National beekeeping, national standardised beekeeping, isn't bee friendly. It's not, and and so for me, it was that dilemma two years down the line of having like six nationals. I felt this isn't the way I want to beekeep. There must be a middle way. And I'm sure the bees love you very much. Oh well, I try. I mean, it's funny. (laughs) I was stung in the forehead a couple of years ago after I'd been showing some children to put them in their bee suits and it was a Syrian refugee project where they came this is through the um, charity called the buddy project they came to the woodland where the bees were to have it was just a really nice chill chill out day yeah um they all wanted to see the bees there were quite a lot of people and families so it meant I had to sort of get people in outfits, go into a hive, then get them out of their outfits, go into another hive, get them out of their outfits. And on the third group, I got stung in the forehead. And I got this message. The message was, we're not a circus. I, I mean, I was coming from a good place in that obviously I wanted to show everyone the bees and go inside the hives. But I think the realization is sometimes less is more, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you you know, when you get a little sign like that, it's definitely time to put the lid back on, isn't it? And Yeah. I mean, I was pulling up some lemon balm outside the front of the hive the other day. It was freezing cold, you know, there was no bees flying. And mm. the scent of the lemon balm must have stimulated them. And mm. they all came out and really gave me a good telling off. Did as they? If to say, don't take that lemon balm up. <laughs> Yes, leave it where it is. I thought it's blooming all over my garden. I've got to get rid of it. But they did, they did. They came out like, oh, like they puthered out, like smoke out the chimney. They really did. Wow. And it was just me pulling up the lemon balm. Never know what they're going to be up to next. (laughs) Lemon balm's the same smell, isn't it, as the pheromone? I know they do say if you've got lemon balm in your garden, the bees will always stay. There's like an old saying, isn't there? There is, yeah. And, and so uh, maybe they got wind of me pulling it up like that and they thought, we're staying here because they've been lovely bees, these ones. They were a swarm uh, from an olive tree, so I call them olive. Um, <laughs> but they've been lovely and they've been so, like, gentle. But it's really interesting as the season's ended, you know, I've got quite a few more buzzes from them, you know, when I get close and... They've completely changed character as, you know, they're obviously they're getting really... more defensive, do you think? Yeah, more defensive as the year's gone on. Because they've but got it's... more honey to defend, do you think? Yeah, and the hive is so heavy with honey. Mm. Oh, 
Sorry, oh, the dog is. That's, that's just the dog. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Her name is, the dog is called Honey. Hold on. Ah. Uh. <laughs> they answer the door. Hello, Honey. In my mind, I saw the dog knocking the knocker. Did you? Exactly. She's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, well, I have a therapy dog, and her name is Honey. And I was working with a group of children, and they were talking about animals that they'd had. And this one little girl said, oh, I had a dog called Honey. And then I was looking for a dog that I wanted to incorporate with work with children. And I found a breeder who's all the way up north with this. I wanted a brown spaniel. And I said, I don't suppose you have a, a, a dog in the litter that would work well with kids. And she said, oh, I do, actually. My son, who's autistic, has really bonded with this puppy and we've named her Honey. And Aww. I said, well, I'm a beekeeper. That's remarkable that she's already called Honey. <laughs> and so she's become an integral part of the work I do with children. So what does she do to help you? Well, I trained her when she was very young, but she's got a really deep soul and she really is very playful. So she'll just sit with me and talk with the kids, you know, while they stroke her or she'll do Mm -hmm. tricks with them. Like if we're out in the forest, then, you know, it's lots of ball tricks and cricket and she's a very good very good at rounders and uh, so yeah she basically just allows them to feel like they can play again because a lot of the kids I work with don't know how to play or have been had a quite a lot of trauma in their lives and when they've got her around and then they see the bees as well and they make a fire and they make some food and they can just relax and it's really valuable. You know, nature is one of the best therapies. How does um, the story of the bees help them? How do you incorporate the story of the bees? Mm, good question. So I think, we talk, you know, we very much talk about the hive mind and the, it's about working in unity with each other and mm. being resilient. And what does resilience mean? And explaining how, when they realise just what's involved with collecting nectar, and how determined they are, and how without bees we wouldn't be here. It, it gives them this sense of awe. And also when you're working with children who have had trauma in their lives, funnily enough, they could be slightly scared of the bees because mm. obviously bees sting. And then taking that fear away by just observing them and talking about them helps them address other elements of their lives funnily enough because they've overcome the fear of the bees and then mm. and then see them and, and and revere them and then there's this sort of sense that you know I'm part of this world and connected to that little creature mm. um and it kind of allows them to see the bigger picture of, of their life belonging to something bigger than their here and now I used to run a little bee club for kids at primary school and um, I always say about how one boy tried to climb into the hive um, but <laughs> I used to love it how they used to just tell me in the school that they'd seen oh I saw a bee on a flower today and you know like you just think it's really lovely isn't it that they know yeah. about this world of bees and, and they are actually in this world of bees and it's all around and I think it's such a great learning tool so I really hope you can build up your work with this educational thing because I think it's really really 
important, isn't it? And it's great for these so. kids to be in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And with the little ones, there's a game called the bee game that we play where it's a drama, it's a role play, mm-hmm. and they become the bees and then they have to go through the seven jobs that a bee does. So you get like a tiara for the queen and then you've got toilet roll um cardboard toilet rolls for the scouting bees and you've got little gems that represent the nectar that the foraging bees bring in you have a couple of swords for the guard bees and <laughs> that sounds <laughs> brilliant it is i must admit though you have to be quite uh disciplined quite boundaried when the swords come out oh um, yeah no, no decapitations hopefully <laughs> no, no, exactly. and then you get the, if there's grown-ups involved you get them to be the wasps and the badgers who are, attack the hive you know and that, they all love that. But then also what you do is you go through the seasons with them so that the kids then become a circle of bees around the queen. And that's kind of like the end of the game. And it bring, again, it's bringing them close. Listeners, if you'd like to head to our Instagram page, you can get a discount code for Catherine's wonderful products at Bee Potion. very much Catherine O'Brien you have been absolutely marvellous on the pad on the podcast you've been absolutely marvellous sorry (laughs) (laughs) imagining (laughs) us leaping off the pads now you've been absolutely marvellous on the podcast and I really do hope we meet again thank you I hope we meet again too um, in the woods with our bees for lots more conversation about bees and sustainability and, and the beauty of the bees. Thank you so much. Yay. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. Lots of love. Bye. Lots of love. And I'll call you up whenever I'm feeling down. Queen Bees is written and created by Esther Coles and Jane Horrocks. It is produced by Claire Broughton, Andy Goddard and John Wakefield and partly recorded at The Hives on my allotment near Crouch End in London. Our title music is Sweet Nothing by Amy May Ellis and Will Cookson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Queen Bees Pod for pictures and videos from The Hive. Queen Bees is a hat-trick podcast. It feels so good just to have you around When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.